Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Matthew chapter 13. Everybody say, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Matthew chapter 13. I'll begin reading with verse 7. I'll sum this whole parable up. You know Jesus is talking and he said that the sower goes forth and he's sowing seed. And he begins to describe the seed falling on good ground, on stony ground, on rocky ground, on different kinds of ground. And in verse 7 he says, And some of the seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. And choked them. The thorns sprang up and choked the seed tried to choke it out of, out of the ground. And then he gives the interpretation of the parable in verse 22. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is the one, the people, anyone who hears the word. Watch. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, listen to the graphic wording, chokes the word out and they become unfruitful. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. It indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. I want to talk to you today about the consequences of an overcrowded life. The consequences of an overcrowded life. Life. I believe personally when God spoke to Joshua and he told him no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I am going to give you good success, he said in Joshua chapter 1. No man will be able to stand before you. No person will stop you from the purpose and call that I have put you to fulfill in the earth. And that's exactly what God did. But later, if you read the story of Joshua, he ran into major issues and it was something that happened to him. I believe one of the greatest battles that we fight is not with demons and devils. The blood has already defeated the devil. He's real. I'm not afraid to say he's real. He's real. We believe in God and we know that there's a devil. But he is defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is no longer a challenge to us. Since the cross, the blood of Jesus defeated Satan. Then who is our enemy? I believe after God has saved you, now listen carefully, and He begins to bless you and promote you and elevate you, the real enemy is pinpointed in the verse that I just read from the Word. Sometimes it's easy to give everything to God when you have nothing. But I believe the more God blesses you, the more He raises you, the more opportunities He gives you, the more doors He opens for you, the more He begins to pour out His goodness in your life, then the battle becomes, can I conquer stuff and things? It's easy to give God everything when you have nothing. But what happened in this text is the seed was sown. It hit good ground. It went in somebody's life who in a time in their life was wide open for God's word and God's plan and the, and the seed of Jesus Christ. But later on, the cares of this life like thorns choked 
out that which was precious. Materialism, stuff, the cares of this life. The challenge sometimes is not absence of opportunity, but abundance of opportunity. That chokes the call of God to death in our life. Your enemy sometimes can be entanglements. Listen, not with necessary bad things, but entanglement, entanglements with lesser things. Because the world is competing for your gifts. The world is wanting all that you have, but God wants your gifts and your talents and your skills. There's nothing wrong with the seed in this text. There's nothing wrong with the soul in this text. The issue is it was an overcrowded place. And the thorns began to choke to death the seed of God's promise and God's destiny and the seed of even Christ Himself. is choked to death by, the Bible said, by those material things or the cares of this life. The busyness of life, the overcrowdedness of just doing life, of going to work and everything. Not necessarily bad things, but this busyness begins to so overtake our life that it chokes out the call and the, and the tenderness of Jesus in our life. I thought about some illustrations that I can give you this morning. This is such a simple message, but just lean in and let me go where I feel God wants me to go. The story in Mark chapter 5 of the woman with the issue of blood. She could not touch Jesus because of the crowd, the Bible said. She tried to touch the hem of His garment, but there were so many people. In other words, I saw it as I looked at it again. Her life was so overcrowded. It, the reason she couldn't get to Jesus and feel His touch and have His healing was because the Bible said because of the press of the crowd, she couldn't get to Him. But somehow, finally, in desperation, as He was going by, she touched the hem of His garment and she was healed. But she almost missed her miracle because of an overcrowded life. Zacchaeus was short Stature, the Bible said. He was, a, he was not a tall man. And he was standing in a crowd of thousands of people. And Jesus was teaching. And he couldn't see because he was so crowded. And he climbed up a tree. And he looked down. And when he did, he saw Jesus. And Jesus saw him. But the miracle of Jesus going home with Zacchaeus almost didn't happen. Because his life was so overcrowded. I thought about the story of the four men who took their friend who was a paraplegic and he was laying on a cot and they heard Jesus was in the house and he was teaching and the Bible said that the house was so full of people that there was no room for anyone to sit or even get in. They were standing out the doors and looking through the windows and listening and these four desperate men climbed up on the roof with their friend on a cot and they tore the top of the building off and they started looking him down with ropes and Jesus touched him and healed him and he took up his bed and ran out the aisle praising God. But the miracle almost didn't happen because the place was overcrowded. 
I believe the number one thing the enemy wants to do, if he can't get you to not receive the word or receive Christ as your Savior, his next ploy against us is to overcrowd our life with such busyness that we become barren, with such busyness that we don't have time to read the Bible, we don't have a prayer life, we don't have a relationship, we don't have a worship life, we're busy, it's another thing and another thing and another opportunity and another door and another deal and another thing and another house and another entertainment and another concert, another this, another that. And before you know it, it's choking the very life of Jesus. The, suddenly you, you don't think like you used to think because your mind's not renewed, your spirit's not pure, you, you don't have the convictions you used to have. It's choking you to death, the one that God has called you to be. I thought about the story of the innkeeper. Think of the magnitude of this. Mary is pregnant and she's having birth pains. Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem and they knock on the innkeeper's door. And the innkeeper is so busy making money that the Son of God is trying to come into his business. I don't know what kind of business you've got that you think this is so important and Jesus is outside trying. If he got in there, that hotel would still be selling rooms. I promise you, I'd stay in it every time I went over there. Can you imagine staying in the hotel room where Jesus was born? Some of you business people, I don't have time for church. I don't have time for God. I don't have time. You better make time because you don't know what you're missing. And while you're doing all that stuff that you, I got to make my career, I got to get my, I got, no, you need one thing. You need the seed to find good ground. It can bring forth a hundredfold when all of your energy and exhaustion can't make it happen. God can open doors. No man can shut. Everybody take a praise break and thank him that he's in the house. But think about what I'm saying. No man, no room. The guy said, I'm sorry to, to Mary's mother and really to Jesus inside of her. I don't have room for you. I'm in a sold out state right now. I'm overcrowded. Don't have time for you. Don't have space for you. Don't have place for you. I'm busy. I've got yoga. I've got soccer with my kids. I've got workout at five. I've got business. I've got business. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. It's not bad things. It's just busy, overcrowded lives that choke the joy out of our life, the peace out of our life, the contentment out of our life. Every day you get up and you're stressed out, you're worried, you're full of fear and anxiety. It's because the cares of this life are choking out the truth that He wants to put in you. That you don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. But you don't get that when you get overcrowded. I believe that all the devil wants to do is overcrowd your life so much that there's no room for revival. There's no room for God to move mightily in your life. Are you overcrowded? You're not going to believe this verse in... Mark 9 and verse 23, Jesus was going to Jairus' house to raise Jairus' dead daughter who had died. And the Bible said, when Jesus came into the house, he said unto them, listen to these words. You got it, man. Mark, Mark chapter 9, verse 23. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the players. The next verse, the one that we use this morning. And he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead but sleeping. Listen to that. 
Listen to that. They're in there. They're weeping. They're crying. Sadness and depression and grief has filled the house. And Jesus walks in and says, I would love to come in and I'd love to push depression out. I'd love to push despair out. I would love to push tears and sorrow out of this house. But in order for me to do that, it's just too overcrowded in there. Somebody's got to make room for me. Do you want to hold on to your depression or do you want me? Do you want to hold on to your sorrow or do you want the resurrection and the life? If you want me, you're going to have to empty some things and put some people out. And the Bible said, I love it, in in the next verse, it said in verse 24, he said, give place. And they took... Uh, they took the people said they laughed him to scorn. They said, you can't help us. You can't help us. And that's what some of you are doing. You act like Jesus is just something you you drive up in the car and have Jesus in the trunk and you take him out and, and, and take him in and, and have Jesus for an hour on Sunday and then go back out and put him back in the trunk and leave him there till next week. And that's pretty much how your life goes. And you're missing the whole thing of what Christianity is. And I feel the Lord up here now. I'm telling you that he, he well, well, no, he, he, no, I don't do him that way. Okay, well, he's in the back seat. Well, no, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a, what, what, he, he's next to you. But he wants the steering wheel. And then he don't want you to be a backseat driver when he has to stay. When he starts taking you down a road and you say, I really don't want to go down that road of sacrifice. I really don't want to go down that road. But whatever, if he's Lord of your life, it means he's not just in your car, in the trunk, or in the backseat, or even your companion. He's driving and you can't be a backseat driver telling, no, I'm not doing that. Go over there. Doesn't work that way. Y'all don't shout me down in this Presbyterian church this morning. I'm I'm preaching the truth. Then verse 25, the Bible said, and when the people were put out, wow. When they made room. He had to put people out of his life. Some of you got more time for people than you do Jesus. Sometimes you have to put people out. And if people are taking your joy and taking your courage and taking your spiritual strength and you, after you've talked with them, they talk so filthy, you feel like you need to go take a bath. They're so negative. You just feel like you need to tell you every bad thing. Put those people out and make room for Jesus. The only challenge for Jesus was he had to make room for a miracle. People were put out. We need a house cleaning. We need the clutter We need the worldly, carnal, temporal things that are overcrowding our life. The other things to be put out that choke out the very life of Jesus in us. In John 18 and 8, he said, If therefore you seek me, Christ said, let these go. If I'm what you're searching for, If I'm what you're looking for, if I am the Savior, if I am the one who rose from the dead, if I am coming again, then there will be times that if therefore you seek me, let these go. Let them go. Peter said, this is that, not this and that. We got too much this and that, and we don't have enough this is that. I believe today that God is speaking to us and He's saying, I want you 
to stop overcrowding your life and leaving me out. So I want to end with this thought. In 1 Samuel 10, in verse 22, the first king of Israel is about to be anointed king. They've never had a king before. And the Bible said that God speaks to the prophet in verse 22, and he says, Therefore, see where this man is that Samuel, where's Saul? I've called him to be the king. And the Bible says they looked for him, but he had hid himself, listen to this, among the stuff. An anointing is waiting for somebody who's about to be anointed the king of Israel, but his life is so overcrowded with stuff that the anointing can't find it. The purpose and plan and call of God can't find him because he's covered up, hiding among the stuff. Don't get covered up with stuff. I read a bumper sticker one time that said, He who dies with the most stuff wins. Anytime a preacher sees anything that goes off in them, they'll do a sermon about it. And I'm sitting at a red light and I'm seeing this bumper sticker. He who dies with the most stuff wins. What a lie. That's what I'm sitting there. I'm revving my car. What a lie. And I shouted back in my car. That's a lie. He who dies with Jesus Christ wins. Oh, I've got him. I can't get my life so covered up in stuff that it chokes Jesus out of my life. Hallelujah. Jesus said these words, therefore having food and clothing, let us be content. The test is not when you have nothing. It's when you've been very blessed, very promoted, very elevated. Will you give it all up again? And say, all of these opportunities, all of this blessing, it's wonderful and I give God the glory for it. But I refuse to let the stuff cover me up. I refuse to let the career, I refuse to let anything, my successes and my wins, become bigger in my life and the seed become tinier and tinier. I will not let the stuff choke the anointing, the purpose, the calling of God out of me. Come out of the stuff. The Bible said Samuel found Saul in the stuff and he said to him, come out of the stuff. I would see him breaking all, out of all that stuff and said, this is all great, but there's nothing like the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing like knowing that I'm in the call and purpose and plan of God for my life. I, I want to say in closing, there's an anointing waiting for somebody who will come out of the stuff. There's an anointing when we say, God, here's my stuff. It was never about that. It was always about you. And the moment, God doesn't have a problem with you having things, but He has a problem when the things have you. And they're bigger to you than the preciousness 
of the seed. And I wonder if Jesus is not knocking on some people's overcrowded lives. And like that innkeeper, he's saying, if you would just let me in, I would push depression out. You can have money, but you can't heal your mind. You can't heal your marriage. You can't fix your life. You can't. A, a house is not a home without Jesus. And I wonder this morning how many of you would say, my life has been so overcrowded that I've not had room for prayer. I've not had room for miracles. I've not had room for fasting. Yeah, fasting. If it's been a long time since you felt the presence of God, fast from sunup to sundown. What is that? That means going without food. What are you doing? You're putting the flesh out. You're saying, I love you more than anything. I need you. You're not some little side seed over here and all this is my big life and you're that little thing I do on Sunday, but you're Lord. And I tell you what happens to me is when I feel myself getting a little mechanical, when I feel myself just going a long time and not really feeling that that preciousness of just me and the Lord, I'll fast. I'll just go without food. I usually do it on a Saturday from sunup to sundown. I'll eat something when the sun goes down. And I'm telling you, it is amazing. Sometimes around 2 o'clock, my stomach goes... Rawr. But I'll say, Lord, you hear that? I love you. And I'm putting some things out. Lord, I want to worship you in purity again. I want to go back to how I felt when I first met you. You see these beautiful young couples. and So much of life will come at you. And not bad stuff. Just the children and doctor's appointments. And this and that and this and that. Don't let it overcrowd your life to where you don't have any place for Jesus in your home and in your life. Come out of the stuff this morning. The Lord says, I have a fresh anointing waiting for you. I've been longing for you to unclutter your overcrowded life and give, make me room in your life again. Would you just, if you feel comfortable, lift your hand right here. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.